Hello, and welcome to The Process, the show where we talk to creative people about their creative processes. I'm Kevin Hugerworth. And I'm John Lee. And John doesn't feel so we're good. Feeling, we're feeling great. Well, nah, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling so good. So I have a top secret project that I can't reveal yet. That's okay. With today's guest that we recorded the first episode of today. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> I think I've already like revealed the project. I think you it have. Doesn't, it yeah, doesn't matter. You did. You did on uh, the end of Linnea's episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're doing. I, I asked we're if it was doing. A we're doing like a video game club, yeah. like a book club, and we recorded the first episode. And it's there, great. You are by the end of the summer. You're going to have like four different podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Can I pay you so you like edit this one first? Uh, if yeah. you paid me, I would. Yeah. I would definitely prioritize <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you should probably capitalize on that because everyone's gonna be like, "When are you gonna edit it?" And you'd be like, "We'll I have a lot to edit." No. Here's the thing. Yeah. yeah. If you if I'm involved in a project with uh, anybody out there, uh-huh. which like the thing is, there's only like three people who listen to this podcast who right. I'm uh, involved with uh on projects this but message goes out to them it goes out to them it yeah. also goes out because i might start five more projects by the end uh-huh. of the summer i'm like taking on as many projects as i can because I'm, I'm just a project guy over here uh-huh. and uh basically <laughs> if i'm involved in a project and you want me to prioritize it pay me yeah. i will absolutely oh speaking of getting will, paid uh, yeah are we gonna uh, do we plug arby's thing on this? oh yeah oh yeah. uh, let's do it now because last time i had yeah, to, edit you had to it do later. it by yourself oh he still yeah. didn't give me a little blurb okay that's fine well now uh, you have me yeah, it's funny. You just named him. I, he was like yeah. an an- anonymous guy. Oh, time, really? Okay. Yeah, no, he's. We um, we can cut that. All right. I'll just like, <laughs> I'll just read off. I like messaged him for, uh-huh. and I said, "Hey, like, I really just want to get it right. Like, give me a one sentence right. thing." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and then uh, he didn't. And then like he saw me later, and he was like, "Oh, I forgot to send that." And I thought he would send it for this episode. Uh-huh. He did not. He didn't. Okay. Um, well, it's too okay. late now. So we are sponsored. The process is sponsored in part by. Right. And by in part, I, I mean exclusively that. by. That makes it sound uh, so fancy. <laughs> Bellingham Coin Shop, Bellingham's best buyer of gold, silver coins, and jewelry. Also trading in estates or dealing in awesome funky stuff. I'm cool with whatever you say. <laughs> Basically, he just sells like antiques right. and weird stuff that he gets from Billiam Coin. It's downtown houses. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's downtown. It's uh, yeah, it's on Cornwall, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's on by... Cornwall. It's by Hammer Properties. Right. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. So. Hey, if you, you want to advertise on this show, message me oh, yeah. or Kevin or email us at. The oh. rates are pretty low. Yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah, but also minimize cheap. your expectations. Uh-huh. It'll be it'll sound something like something like what you just heard. I mean, you could yeah. give me anything to read, and I will read it. Well, right. that's not true. Well, yeah, that's I will. True. There, there's like some exceptions, <laughs> but like basically, I would read anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, hey, this is the season finale for yeah. for the second season. We've Thanks. already started recording for the next season. I know. Thanks for uh, making it all the way to the end. Those we'll have a have season. We'll have a season two reflections. Yeah, we don't need to. I know. I wanted our... to. I'm excited for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, yeah, thanks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a house show this. Did you plug the house show in the last episode? Oh, or well, this episode? This episode's not going to air before that, probably. Oh, really? Unless okay. I air it to, like, tomorrow. Uh, well, hope the house show goes. Yeah. Never mind, then. If if Never this airs mind. in time, I've got a house show. I don't even need to plug it on here. Yeah. It's okay. It doesn't matter. That's fine. It's like a friend show. Yeah. Um, it's also the same night as graduation. Yeah. So, if you're graduating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But yeah. No, so no one's going to go. Yeah. Well, hey, I might go. I'm They're not graduating. They're celebrating with their families. Yeah. Well, your show is at like, it's at like 7 p.m., so. That's true. Yeah. Oh, it's 8, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Um, yeah, how are you doing, John? Uh, I'm excited to go record some Dungeons and Dragons literally right after this. I'm less excited. That's a lot yeah, of work. Um, it is. I've already recorded a podcast today, and I have to, I've been recording this, and now I have to. Wait, that was today you recorded that? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh! You're just I was having microphones. A, all I was time. feeling pretty bad until I did that. Yeah. So that was that was nice. They're waiting on us probably right now. No, six thirty. Yeah, six thirty. Well, they probably got there early. Is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I, I need to get food. I know, me too. And I have to pack up these yeah. microphones. What food do you want to get? I don't know. Burrito King. Eh, I always get Burrito King. I know. That's fun. I kind of want. I want teriyaki, but teri like. Oh. Is there good teriyaki that's like on the way? Uh. Super duper teriyaki. I've yeah. never been there. You ever been there? I've never. Been We're going there. there. That's like not on the way at all. It's actually like out of the way, but it's close enough well, that I don't it's, care. It's like right next to your house. Me and John are getting yeah. teriyaki, We're getting and that's super great. Because I, the chicken I katsu is to die for. Oh, I can't eat chicken, so oh. I'm gonna get tofu. Or something. Okay, you're right. Uh, uh, well, if there's, well, oh, I can shoot. eat chicken. I you just can't. won't eat. Chicken. You won't eat chicken. <laughs> um, I yeah, I've, I was I'm feeling pretty bad about. About stuff I won't reveal uh-huh. on the podcast. Imagine yeah. that. Stuff yeah. I wouldn't talk about on the podcast. I don't podcast. feel bad. I just feel weird. What is, oh, I hope yeah. this intro... I hope you edit this intro so we both sound good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, I just... Yeah, there's like two distinct... There's like three... Two distinct things and one general thing uh-huh. uh, that have got me down. Yeah. And the two mm-hmm. distinct things are things I, I can't talk about either of them. Right. I, it's not ever been a problem for me. I've been able to talk about everything on this show up until this point. Well, that's not true. Okay, there's like yeah. a couple things. A well, no, things. I talked about them and edited yeah. them out. This is yeah. like I'm already stopping you, you edited quite a lot out of probably your um, own episode and the drunk episode. I didn't cut enough out of my own episode. I thought it was fine. Eh. eh. <laughs> All right, let's go get some damn teriyaki. Let's get some teriyaki. Uh, who's our I'm guest hungry. today? I guess you usually ask me that. Yeah, who's our guest today? Caleb Hepker. Uh, he does. What does he do? Well, he's a, uh, a main stage performer over at the Upfront Theater. Uh-huh. He's also a very good friend of mine. And he also... It was his birthday uh, a couple days ago. It was. That's true. I, yep. it was, yeah, we mm-hmm. celebrated that just like me, him, and Jane yep. Mitchell, friend of the show. Yep. And uh, she... No, she... I'm not referring to Jane. Yeah. Um, Caleb is also a writer. Uh, he's done like a spec script for Rick and Morty. He's uh, working on tabletop games. He's designed right? a tabletop game. He like, does he's, everything. He's done a lot of sketch yeah. stuff. Uh, Film, yeah. He's just, right? Uh, yeah? Did yeah. we talk? We talk, I feel like we talked to him about literally everything. No, he doesn't do film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's now also a co-host of a podcast uh, that I, I uh, is <laughs> gonna, yet to be named. He's gonna blow up. He's yet to be named. I'm like this this one and none uh, of the other podcasts. <laughs> none of the other, the other two podcasts don't have names. That's yeah, that's true. Oh no. wait, no. Did you name it? I haven't named mine, but okay. we have comedy and D. Not that one. The other uh, one. Which one? The other one with like the scientist. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm oh, saying. There's going to be like four yeah. different ones. I forgot. That one's going to be so funny. And you're going to have to prioritize some over the others. Yeah, whoever pays yeah, me. Whoever uh, has the most monetary. If you, want me, if you also want me to yeah. produce a podcast for you that I am not involved in at all other than production, you can pay me. Give me a – shoot me a, a message, I guess, at the process of John and Kevin. <laughs> At gmail.com. If you want me to be part of a podcast, I'll probably want, say no. If you want to hire uh, me and take me away from time uh, on the process, right. I will do it. And if anyone is actually hiring out there, <laughs> I will also. Kevin's looking that. for a job. I will. Just, Wait, did you follow up with the? Can I say the black drop? I haven't called. The, no, yeah. not yet. Okay. I'll you call. probably should. Well, maybe. Yeah. They're not like Who's, specifically hiring is the thing. But oh, really? I thought he. I feel like you looked at your resume for a long time. I feel like, like he really liked me. Yeah. The. T- that small interaction yeah he like shook my hand he, was, he, he like he shook my hand i didn't uh-huh. shake his hand oh really and he, he like said his name and i was like oh, oh good to meet you big deal yeah <laughs> uh anyways caleb hepker is today's guest okay uh, so, let's just get into it <laughs> season two finale let's do it and this is gonna be a long episode probably yeah uh and we join them in a conversation already 
in progress. Yeah. Good one. All right. So yeah, Thank this is you. the first act. This is the, yeah. just getting to know you. Oh, cool. So this um, is like we might cut in on this conversation. Yeah. Exactly. Anywhere. Okay. It yeah. could happen anywhere. Yeah. As long as I'm it, not talking about cutting in on it. It we've often, already. We've actually, done that that's bit not already. True. I've yeah. done that bit like ten times. I'm not afraid to do it. Oh man, I'm so. I feel like really unoriginal. Yeah, well, that's why we had you. That's we okay, should go yeah. with that feeling. I know, right? We're going yeah. more for, like, consistency at this point, because, like, the show's been going on since November. It's like, there's only so many unique ideas any sort of person can have. Caleb, I'm so glad that you're finally here. Yeah, me too. I've, I, I'm notorious for, like, having really wanted to be on the process for a long time. <laughs> yeah, for someone who wanted to be on it so badly, <laughs> yeah. you sure didn't listen to it ever. <laughs> have you not listened to it? <laughs> I haven't listened to it. Okay. Was yeah. that sort of like, a, I don't want to listen to it until I'm, until I'm on it? I, I mean, like, or you just, th- that's kind of like, like... You're like, it's probably shitty. <laughs> no, it's it's not that I think it's probably shitty. It's just that, like, yeah, I'm, of course, going to be, like, more invested uh-huh. if I'm on it. And then also, like... You know, there's a lot of good shows out right now and stuff, so... Well, we'll get to that. Well, I remember asking you if we wanted to be on it, uh... <clears throat> it was, like, back at the Christmas party. Yeah. Wait, was yeah. it that long ago? Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. Oh. I specifically remember, because you had just made it to main stage. Yeah. Uh, at the Upfront Theater. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that'll be... Gr- it'll be great to, ha- to get someone who just made it to main stage. And then Kevin made it to main stage. He's like, I'll take that spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have this habit of telling people they can be on the show. And then, and then it turns out it takes a long time to really yeah. get any one person in particular on the show. The way we yeah. schedule these is we're just like, ah, oh, who do we want? I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to do this person? Okay. Yeah. And then we Great. message them. Yeah. I mean, like, I do, I make a lot of decisions based on, like, what I think would be funny to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that the concept of, like, someone really wanting to be on like <laughs> uh, their friend's podcast and then not getting on it is really funny. Yeah. So I, I don't know like how much of my desire was just based on that joke. Oh, it's, a, mean, it's like, a great, it's a great joke. And people get genuinely upset when they're not on. Like yeah, we had some do. people get like, like antsy. Get mad. Like, get get yeah. me on the show. And uh-huh. it's like, okay, the more you like, ask, right. the more that makes me not yeah. want to do it. Yeah. It's work. It's work to have people on this show. You got to file their paperwork. Mm-hmm. You gotta do some background checks. That's not true. That's not true. But you know, it should be. Uh, you're also your race and uh, your uh, gender also kind of work against you as well. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So I gotta say this. It's it's really embarrassing. But like last night, uh, I'm I'm at this outside gig in Seattle. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it? it was really it was really awesome. Oh, it was cool. great. Yeah. Like we went on a Ferris wheel afterwards. It was so much fun. But That's great. Um, wait, was this through the upfront? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So we're in Seattle, and it's for like this this Christian school in Seattle. Uh-huh. And afterwards, High school? Uh, college. College. Mm-hmm. Okay. Afterwards, we're all sort of mingling with the group, and I'm just awkwardly standing around because you know I I am very introverted and I don't like talking to people in big groups. And I was sort of ling- lingering next to Kathy, who is a friend of mine and a, a main stage player at the upfront as uh-huh. well. And these two ladies come up to Kathy and start talking about her. And they're like, yeah, girl power, represent. And I'm just sort of like standing there like, <laughs> watching them and like making eye contact. And then uh, and then they keep talking and they're like, oh, we're just so glad that, to see like a lady improviser. And then they one of the women looks at me and she's like, I mean, I'm sure you're great, too. And in that moment, in that moment, I was like, I wish... I have, like, so many formulated ideas about this in my head, and I really want to, like, open the floodgates and say everything that I care about. They're like, I come and be like, you don't owe me shit! You, you don't have to tell me that! I Men fucking suck! You, you don't deserve... I, I'm gonna go! Like, fucking... Don't even give me the time of day right now! But, like, that's just not the kind of thing that's, <laughs> like, not conducive. So, so what I did was I looked at her, and I said, intersectional feminism! And then I, like, looked at my feet, and then... <laughs> And then started to walk away. 
I, I was just like, maybe cool. if I say intersectional feminism. I also, you also do so many things. Mm. You are the first guest who has requested that we meet up beforehand so we can talk about. Actually, <laughs> Kevin does the most things. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's not. Yeah. I do too many but, things, um, and they all suck. Yeah. Do you whistle? No, I can't. No. Can you what? not whistle? What, really? I can't you whistle. You really can't whistle? No. Wow. Wait, Caleb, you go. Uh, well, not, you know, when you're smiling, <laughs> it's really hard to whistle when you're sm- I'm smiling right now for all the, the listeners at home. Uh, that's why it's so hard for me to whistle. Uh, ooh. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Okay. I, yeah. I can't, I promise. You can't? Okay, ready? I'm, I'm going to keep I'll, I'll go. Right, John, John's going. Oh man, hey, that's pretty good. I could edit it to make yeah. it seem like I can whistle. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I wasn't happy. Maybe I'll just like surprise whistle later in the okay. episode when I, right. I'm feeling. When we like get it. into Act Two and it's a little more uh, serious. Yeah. Oh, that okay. That was really small. I'm really good at it. That was the thing. Like that. <laughs> like I'm amazing at whistling. Keep breaking. And that was just like a tiny little whistle. So mm. I, I want to know uh, how. I'm interested in your sketch writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how, when did you first start uh, doing that? I started writing sketches in college uh, in the comedy group Generation Friends. Where did you go to college? I went to college at the Evergreen State College in okay. Olympia, Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's Generation Friends. Uh, I spent a lot of time there. And I Sorry, was, is that a group that you started? or I, I did not start it, okay. but I was uh, the coordinator of the improv portion of Generation Friends for okay. two years. And there's an improv chunk, a stand-up chunk, and a sketch chunk. Sketch chunk, okay. And I participated in all three of them pretty heavily. <clears throat> but yeah, my first... I guess I wrote my first sketch my freshman year of college, and it was, like, really bad, and I just hated it. I don't know. Like, I like having... I like understanding guidelines. Do you remember what the first sketch was? Yeah, wrote? it was about... It was, it was so bad. It was this concept thing that was, like... What if there was high school, but the the personalities of the jocks and the nerds were swapped so that all the jocks, like, acted more like nerds and all the nerds acted more like jocks, and, which is, like, kind of a funny concept, yeah, but it was executed, yeah. like, so poorly, yeah. and then, like, the ending was just brutally, like, it was so bad. There was, like, for some reason, a squirt gun fight that happened, like, I don't know how it tied in at all but i was just like i guess i gotta end i gotta end the sketch yeah. <laughs> so then it just like somebody comes in and squirts them with squirt guns uh, uh well yeah. i've done i've done stand-up improv and sketch and i'll say that writing sketch for me is like the hardest out of all three of them just because <clears throat> they're it's so easy to have like a lack of justification for things and you're just like yeah i'm just gonna make things weird or, yeah. or like for stand-up uh it's like when you get a joke premise you uh-huh. like it's so easy to just have a joke premise i've found yeah. that like sketch premises are just like this thing that I don't know how to get. Like, yeah, jo- exactly. Jokes come out of thin air. Yeah. But then, like, and even that can be tough, like, yeah. when you're going through, like, a dry spell, but, like, sketches, but sketches are like, they're like, where they're, they go? They're, like, elusive. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Where, where do you get your, like, inspiration for sketches? Well, I think that a sketch can come from any idea, sort of, in the, in the same way you're talking about, like, with stand-up. Like, you can take anything that you think is funny and turn it into a sketch, but there are certain guidelines that I like to follow when writing sketches uh-huh. that I think help a lot in formulating, like, how to turn it into, like, an actual story. And in Gu- general... Yeah, huh? guidelines such as... Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, what I would say is it's important to keep beats in mind. Uh-huh. Like, I, I would say that the general guideline is you want three beats, three escalating beats yeah. at, at least, or you could have... I guess you could have more or less than that but in general you want like a first beat a second beat and a third beat and i love having 
a little bow tie ending. Yeah. Like <laughs> so much. I, I hate watching like SNL and then just yeah. the sketches just fart and die. And it's so unsatisfying. And you pointed it out to me. And I, I, I was watching SNL recently, like all episodes and like, there's like this real, I can't even remember really what the sketch was. It was just like this weird off the wall sketch that mm-hmm. was just like, I was surprised it made it on the SNL and I was like really into it. Yeah. And just the end, the ending was just a puking baby. It, it was like <laughs> no context yeah. for it. And so it, it, it's just weird. Yeah, the how, ending like, for most sketches is like the camera pans out. Right. And then the audience starts applauding and then like, it's not a real ending. Yeah. Right? It's just sort of or like, like we have a cameo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then there's like the Monty Python ending where it's like there's always just like a police officer at the end, and yeah. then somebody gets arrested. So that's how like uh, what's the movie? The Holy, Holy Grail ends. Yeah. yeah, everybody just gets yeah. arrested. I think Key and Peele does a pretty good job of ending their sketches. Right. Well, anyways, yeah. finish your thought. Yeah. About, about oh, just I, I think that like in my mind, the perfect way to end a sketch most of the time is either on on the final beat mm-hmm. just have it be a really hard hitting yeah, final yeah, beat yeah. that can also be the ending uh-huh. or to have a i'm going to say fourth but really just a an extra final beat beyond how many you have yeah. in the sketch a, f- a final beat a fourth beat that circumvents the game so like right. like you have the game established and then in there's a final beat that sort of is a curveball that is like basically playing the game but it's like respecting the audience that they get the game and then it's like making it a little more complicated or like or even just like it's a setup to be the game but then it doesn't and then yeah i don't know it's like the third beat fulfills expectations right and that fourth beat subverts it yeah yeah okay i i think i have an idea i just know i think i told you this or i've like talked about recently Uh i don't think i've talked about on the show I like to end video sketches with satanic images. I just, it's, like, it's like infinitely it's satisfying yeah. to me. That's really funny. But, uh, I think that can be yeah. dangerous, though. Like, just ending it. It's like, let's just end this sketch as weird as possible. Do you fall into that trap where it's like, that's our way out is to just be weird? Well, or... I mean, with the squirt gun thing from earlier, uh-huh. I think that that's, that's apparent. Yeah, like, in, in learning sketch writing... I struggled a lot, and a lot of the people around me, like, I really love this, the concept of being in a a student comedy group, because everybody, nobody is like a pro, Mm -hmm. everybody's struggling together and learning together, and maybe somebody will write a sketch, and you'll be like, wow, that ending was, like, good, like, I cared about that part of the sketch, (laughs) Uh and that's inspirational, instead of, like, so many endings are just, like, my favorite horrible, irreverent ending from a bad sketch was one that I co-wrote with my friend Scott. And we were trying to figure out how to end it. And it was like this sketch about chess pieces. Like if uh-huh. chess pieces were alive. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> great, just a great concept, ultimately. But then like we were like, how do we end it? And then I was like, what if this little like kid comes out with a lollipop and a quarter falls out of his pocket? And he's like, and that's where quarters come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he told and, me about yeah. that. Yeah. And, but it has like nothing to do with that. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh-huh. like the ultimate example of just a shitty, irreverent ending to a uh-huh. sketch that now I would like really dislike. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, I was just like, what if, what if we just do that? Yeah. Uh, the audience will think it's funny. Are you writing stuff right now? Are you writing stuff right now? I'm saying closer uh, to the microphone. Yeah, I, I'm working on some stuff. Like, you mean sketches? or Sketches, yeah. Yeah, I, I try to like write sketches semi-frequently uh-huh. like at least a couple of year oh wait I'm... are you writing other stuff too what else are you writing oh like, i just like I just plays, too many things like <laughs> really really too many things like i i'm working on a a stage play uh-huh. and then i'm working on like a 
a fiction book, okay. a, a novel. So, Caleb, t- talk about the animatic you worked on uh, and describe what an animatic is for people who might not know. Like yeah. me. Like so, John. So yeah. an animatic is essentially a storyboard that is animated uh, to to be like a little movie. And what that means is like it's it's like an animation that has a fraction of the frames. Like it just has like a frame for each main physical motion uh-huh. that happens. If, if, you look at, if you look at like special features for like uh-huh. basically any animated thing, yeah, and even yeah. like a, not even animated, just like anything, they'll uh-huh. usually have animatics right. mm-hmm. somewhere. I like, think I know what you're talking. Is there, is there like a specific example that I would know? I don't know if there's like a famous animatic okay. out there because they're almost exclusively in like pre-production okay there, there's never it's never like gotcha. the final goal like it literally just looks like moving pictures yeah and okay, then it's fully the sound effects and the voice are there yeah like a first draft of those uh-huh. are there but other than that it's just like rough sketches gotcha, that are yeah. moving and uh i i recently made an animatic in in cooperation and collaboration with my friend scott anderson and we submitted it to a uh, a contest basically just like an animated shorts contest uh-huh. And it was a lot of fun, uh, and it was based on a sketch that we co-wrote in college, uh-huh. which is like the the connection. What was the name? Video. The connection of these two things. What was the name of the animatic? The or name does it of have it, a name. It it's it's Buddy and Pal. Okay. Oh, and there's gonna be a link is. to it, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, we can yeah. throw it out. Oh, really? oh, sweet. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. I've watched it. I like it a lot. It's it's like a little three minute, basically just a sketch, a little animated sketch, and I did the pictures for it. And Scott how long does did that process mixing. usually take? the whole animatic well it basically as long as it takes to write it and then you gotta draw it Uh and then the drawings i had there were like a little over a hundred frames to draw Uh and i guess you know that took maybe like six to ten hours or something total and then there was all the editing in post and like the recording of the tracks right and all yeah. that. was it you and scott that did the voices just you two yeah or? it was okay. the two of us doing the voices and then he did he like mixed it all together i love that um so yeah it, it was just like basically as pure of a 50 50 collaboration as you right can get, yeah which i really enjoy just like this, kind of this just like this podcast it's a 50 50 john we pays for everything and, and i do all the kevin work. does all the work and i just, <laughs> just yeah. kidding, this I show just, could not exist without i just you. I sip on some lemonade that. i'm like cut that part I, kevin. I want you to know yeah. that this show cannot exist without you i so. literally could not exist without uh my 50 percent contribution so anyone who's a fan of this show is mm-hmm. familiar with the upfront theater and they're familiar with uh the term satellite and how that's like the preliminary team at the and, and also theater. they might be yeah. familiar with the term uh-huh. caleb hepkert because we've yeah. definitely brought you up yeah we <laughs> have actually yeah <laughs> oh, nice. on, um, at least twice multiple episodes maybe three times uh so you um how, i know that you did satellite a couple times or yeah. I, I don't know how many times you did satellite uh, uh twice twice okay yeah. and each se- session of this preliminary team, it's like three months or so. Well, yeah. there's two three month like mini sessions in right. each session of satellite. It's like, it's like the preliminary team like expires after three months and then they like re up with new people. Well, it's it's staggered, yeah. so right. you're 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 in it for two three month uh-huh. consecutive chunks. Gotcha. So, yeah, I guess I don't know what the correct wording is for uh-huh. it, but I was basically in it for two of the full six month. Sessions, oh, I see what you mean. Including okay. the the yeah. break of not getting asked up to main stage the, after the first. Oh, session. I see. Okay. Yeah. So what was that like? Not being asked up. What was it? Was that like really your end game? Like trying to get on main stage, or are you just playing to play? Well, like, it was. 
It was my reason for staying in Bellingham, uh-huh. for sure. Oh, I was really? like, if okay. I don't get on main stage, I'm basically just going to leave. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that was that your mentality after the first time or after the second time? After the first time. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't leave. Uh-huh. Uh, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, I didn't leave because I started working on a uh, a YouTube series uh-huh. with some some friends, and yeah. I guess we can we can throw up a link to that too. Okay. It's, right it's Squirrel Dove Borcaf. It's a gaming YouTube series. <laughs> it's just a bunch of friends hanging out in Azeroth, having some fun. Uh, uh, so that that kept me around Bellingham, uh-huh. and then I, I tried out for the second session. But man, it was—I felt really sad. I was really yeah. depressed. I mean, I what should we get into that yeah. in the second act? Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we could go into well, that in the second one or this yeah. one. Or... Just because I know there's other things we want to touch on. I don't want to like cut you off because I'm right. really—I'm like actually—I was going to ask that in the second uh-huh. act because I wanted to yeah. hear more about. But, that. Yeah, but I guess what? Yeah, we can get to that in the second act. But like, I wanted to know just like how how did your improv change between like. Uh, your first satellite session to the second, and now you're on main stage. Like, what were some of the the strides that you saw yourself make? Well, I remember there being a moment after I didn't make it, and I I was thinking to myself, did I not make it because I didn't kiss people's ass? Uh huh. Like, would I have made it if I had just like sucked up to everybody and been like really really buddy buddy, overly polite and like mm-hmm. tell me more about this thing that I don't care about, so and so. Right. Uh, and and I was deciding like when I got on satellite a second time, like do I do that this time or do I just do the same thing again mm-hmm. and hope that I get better at improv just by doing my own natural improv right. again? And uh, I mean, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the ass kissing thing. Right. But, like, I, I mean, like, notes, like, if you, I like to ask all improvisers this, like, if mm-hmm. you saw, like, Caleb from three years ago do improv, like, what notes would you give that Caleb about, like, his improv? Okay. <laughs> way, yeah. way too uh, concept-based. Okay. And, like, plot-based. Like, I'm, I definitely, there's, there's the concept of the pirate, the robot, and the ninja. I don't know if you've gone over that no. in, the, in the podcast at all. We have not. No. Touched that. Okay. I don't even, not even I know what that is. Not even okay, close. so basically the concept is that every improviser is mostly governed by the role of either a pirate, a robot, or a ninja. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> pirates are like the type A personalities uh-huh. who are loud and they steal the scene right. and they're the big stars. Uh-huh. And uh, robots are like the nerdy people who are like all in their head, yeah. who are coming up with like like that scene in The Hangover where like all the algebra is going in front of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's the robot. And then the ninja is, like, the person that you didn't even know was in the show that, like, uh-huh. snuck in and helped the scene a little bit and then disappeared. Right. Oh, interesting. And huh. yeah. it, it kind of, that kind of makes them all sound bad, but there's, like, a way to be an amazing improviser uh-huh. and to be each of them. Yeah. So what I, do you I, think, what do you think you are? A robot. Robot? Oh, I think I'm a perfect blend of all three. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I definitely started out as a robot, and now I'm, like, walking the line between robot and ninja uh-huh I, i've never felt much like a pirate but i think that, that just has to do with the fact that i'm extremely introverted right so so i guess yeah. you so early on you were just you were way too into the concept you were just too too in your like you weren't being yeah. present on stage is that what well probably... so i basically did improv for a year at uh-huh. college and then everybody in the comedy club basically except for a small handful of us graduated right and then we were like, oh, we need to have a coordinator for stand-up, mm-hmm. for sketch, and for improv. Yeah. And one of the people was like, oh, well, 
I'm really good at sketch, so I'll be the sketch coordinator. Yeah. And then uh, another person was like, well, I'm really good at stand-up. I'll be the stand-up coordinator. And then they just kind of were like, hey, Caleb, uh, <laughs> I guess who's do you want to... Uh, who's left? <laughs> you want to be the... like? And I didn't. I knew nothing about improv. And I was yeah. like, I guess I'm now a, a teacher of improv. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and okay. I know nothing. Uh-huh. So like for a while, I'm definitely like very self-critical of the way that I taught in that I sort of saw it as being a, like a one true way uh-huh. kind of thing. And I, I very heavily like worshipped the UCB method right. and stuff. And I basically taught certain things that it was like this is the correct way to do it uh-huh. and this is not the correct way to do it which i i still believe a lot of those things are generally good to do or mm-hmm. guidelines but now i definitely see things as being much more open mm-hmm. and there being a lot more potential in yeah, stuff that right. i would just immediately discount before <laughs> yeah i think that like the the easiest way to sum up my improv over the years was that i started out as just like that jerky college guy that thinks he knows everything and yeah, he's like yeah. I know all the rules to improv uh-huh. and I'm cool on the town right. and then now <laughs> I'm just I've chilled out uh-huh. a lot Man. so Caleb talk about your tabletop games I know I'm really excited about this and this is like I mean I wanted to have you on the show anyways but I remember when you started telling me when our, our budding friendship was developing uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, you told me about your like pirate tabletop game that you made and I was so excited and I wanted to have you on the process like yeah. especially bad ever since then because okay. I wanted you to talk about this so talk about designing tabletop games <laughs> yeah so one of my side hobbies is definitely like game design like board game design and tabletop game design and card game design and stuff and i, I haven't published a game ever but i just will sometimes make a game for fun and I'm, I'm always like working on at least one game and my favorite thing that i've made has been a homebrew sort of original tabletop rpg that is really just like everything that I wanted in a tabletop RPG. Uh-huh. And Kevin, yeah, Kevin was right. It is pirate themed. Because <laughs> what I was thinking is like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a truly like way to have like an open world campaign uh-huh. that is really fun and engaging and that the players still feel like a story is being told, but that it's like almost the definition of open world yeah i kind of feel like i i guess i'm assuming some knowledge some previous knowledge for viewers about tabletop rpgs uh-huh. when i'm doing this so like we could like insert some little <laughs> cheesy description <laughs> or whatever Just like dungeons and, i mean i think yeah. dungeons and dragons is like the most but you right. know, a lot of people don't even yeah really it's like people role playing basically but also rolling dice and yeah. being in a fantasy world usually um what's the, what's the name of this project uh, I call it High Seas Adventures, okay. or HSA, for sure. <laughs> but it doesn't really have like a, a, an actual name. Okay. I guess it's how High long Seas have Adventures. you been uh, working on this? It was, I guess, technically on and off for about uh, six years, uh-huh. but maybe only like two and a half years of really steady work okay. put into you, it. You should, I want you to talk about the skill tree because yeah, I really oh, like the skill tree. I will. Uh, what I did want to say. <laughs> about it though oh, yeah, is that yeah. i feel like in most uh i've been in a lot of tabletop campaigns like dungeons and dragons and uh like what is it call of cthulhu and stuff like that um but what i find is that basically the world is empty until you go to it mm-hmm. like if the like you'll have a map and you'll be like oh there's the elven forest and there's the dwarven mountains and all this stuff but really it's all blank and uh-huh. the only thing that exists is like the room you're in 
And then the DM will be like, where do you want to go? And you'll be like, let's go to the Elven Forest. And then, like, you go to the Elven Forest, and then it exists. Right. Gotcha. And okay. it's, like, everything... Like, it's it's the illusion of an open world. Uh-huh. So what I wanted to do was to have this enormous map of islands, mm-hmm. and to have each island already pre-designed. So there's, <laughs> like, awesome. 46 islands in this giant ocean (laughs) and like four capital cities and it's this huge thing that is like already completely it exists and Uh like the the storyline and stuff can be improvised and changed as the dm but what i wanted is just not that sense of emptiness but that sense that like i know that i could go north south east or west or any of the other directions and there would be something that's there that would be different from if i went the other direction right like the elven forest and the dwarven city would probably end up just sort of like being the same thing in a campaign anyway. Like you'd, Mm. you'd encounter the hooded figure that would tell you where to go for your quest. Right. Yeah. But like in the thing that I made, I wanted to be very clear that like you would only encounter the hooded figure if you went to the exact Island that the hooded figure is. Right. So it's like in Pokemon after you've uh, gotten all eight badges, it's like all the cities are already there as opposed to like, it's like developing as you go. Yeah. And, and there is a system of like, the islands get harsher the further out they get because uh-huh. you like you start in the center with your ship and yeah, your crew, okay. and so the the furthest out islands and it does take place on a flat world that has an edge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so it's sort of like there's islands that are like along the edge of the world that are the, the most dangerous. Uh, but, yeah. the, you say there's forty six islands. You just like keep, you just like keep making them up as yeah, well, time just, went on, or you were like, did you have like like there's gonna be fifty islands and I'm gonna name them all. I basically just drew a grid to uh-huh. start, and then I was like, what are a number of concepts equal to the number of uh-huh. squares on the grid that I think would be like fantastical places to explore yeah. that can all be heavily different from each other. It's like kind of influenced on by Wind Waker right. a lot, the Zelda game, in that. I have really fond memories of, like, everybody's least favorite part of that game, right. which is just, like, randomly sailing around the sea and exploring oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, so I tried to draw from, like, the best of that, uh-huh. I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. I love that. Now, Kevin, you, you brought up that you wanted <laughs> me to talk trade. about skill yeah, trades. I do. Skill trade. Please. I, w- yeah. I, I want you to... So... Yeah. He just br- busted out his notebook. So, <laughs> basically, like, the most convoluted thing about this game is its <laughs> skill progression system which is different from other rpgs and something this is kind of like when i talked about sketch writing and i was like i like to have a weird esoteric part it's mm-hmm. kind of like in any creative thing that i do i like there to be at least one horribly inaccessible <laughs> just like unfun not exciting part about it that i really like so i know that this is bad game design i'm just gonna go out and say that like i'm aware that it's not actually it's like unsellable but i uh, really love I, it i don't think i love so, it when as soon as you told me about it but basically every character starts out as a blank slate there are no classes uh you don't pick a class or anything okay but every time you level up you get to put a point into a skill tree so basically, there are 12 skills in the game that cover anything that your character could ever do. So, for example, if you wanted to like jump or jump across roofs, then you would use your acrobatics skill, and you'd make a die roll, and then you'd add your you know acrobatics modifier to that. So that's pretty standard D20 stuff. Uh, but every time you level up, you get a skill point that you could put into any of your skills to gain an ability in that skill. Uh So maybe you'd want to gain an ability in the acrobatics tree and maybe like you'd get, you'd put a point into acrobatics and you'd get like the ability to do an evasive role. Mm -hmm. For example, that's like just a flat out example. Um, And there are eight different skills in each skill tree. 
there are four skills for offense and four skills for support. <laughs> and then they grow in power as it goes along. The second tier of skills is always a passive skill. This is getting really heady. <laughs> well, I'm feeling a bonus episode no, coming keep, on. No, keep going. So, it's potentially uh, our newest bonus episode. So there are eight feet. skills, and then there are also two ultimate skills, one for offense and one for support in each skill tree. You can only get the offense or the support skill for each tier of skill. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't have like the ultimate in both offense and support, and you'd only be able to have the ultimate skill if you've already invested the full four points in to get it. You can start with it. Um, so... That's that might seem like a lot. So already there's twelve different uh, uh, skill trees that have eight skills within them, uh, but the the curveball is that <laughs> there is also a unique skill tree for every possible combination of two skill trees. So, for example, <laughs> so in depth. So acrobatics itself, it. acrobatics itself has a skill tree, and then let's say swashbuckling, for example, because uh-huh. you know pirate theme. <laughs> yeah. So swashbuckling has a skill tree, but there's also a completely separate skill tree for acrobatics slash swashbuckling that has its own eight unique skills that all equally draw from acrobatics and swashbuckling. I love that. Well, I think this is totally sellable. So there, so there are a total of seventy six skill trees, and seventy six times eight. I don't know. I think that's like four hundred something. Wow. So there's like four hundred something different unique skills in the game. I just love, like, this and just, like, the fact that there are 46 islands. I just love the vastness of it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I think what really appeals great, to people. Yeah. Well, what's like, wild about it... A universe it that's vast. ...is you could play it, like, ten times in a row and have a completely different experience uh-huh. each time because you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to be a fighter. I learned R- Raging Blow or uh-huh. whatever. You know, you'd be like, I'm going to be a mysticism slash socializing slash explosives character right. and I'm going to invest... <laughs> In the socializing slash explosives support tree. It's like there's no identical <laughs> game. Yeah. Oh, Just then, like improv. Then, Whoa. Connection. And then, and then uh when does like the campaign end? I, I'm I'm assuming you could just like also follow a completely different yeah. storyline. So basically there is a plot that you sort of piece together as you go. Mm-hmm. And you can you can essentially end it. You can begin the final mission Mm -hmm. once you have beaten one of the islands that's at the edge of the world okay so basically it involves like the concept of the edge of the world is very heavy in the storyline and you have the opportunity to trigger the ending once you make it to the edge of the world but you could if you wanted to just like grind out a bunch of islands and like try Uh to find other secrets and maybe like find other endings or other things within that i see so yeah, so it could be as short as just like making a beeline for the edge, uh-huh. or it could be as long as like doing a little spiral and doing every <laughs> single island and like spending years and years and becoming like these godlike overpowered characters. Oh, I want to play. Well, this. I'm ready when you guys are. <laughs> uh, yeah, Just dive head first. Just tell us, uh, where were you born? I was born in Maquoketa, Iowa. Oh, you were? I yeah. thought for sure you were Washington born. No. For sure. I don't know why <laughs> I, was I thought that. I was born on the second floor of a little house. Oh, really? In, in Maquoketa, Iowa. Oh. How old yeah. are you when you moved here? Five. 
five. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you still have family over there that you visit, or? Yeah, my my dad's half of the family lives over there. Okay. Is it? You sound not that excited about visiting Iowa. Is it fun? When, what are oh, other things to do and things like that? I certainly like okay. visiting Iowa. It's just that like I've. I've never been as connected to my dad's half of the family as my mom's half of the family. Like, my mom and dad were, like, never really together. Uh-huh. So, it's it's just, like, different. I don't oh, know. I see. It's not like my mom and dad are both the same kind of parent to me. Uh-huh. It's like my dad is somebody that is my dad, and I like him. Gotcha. But he... Wait, does, does he currently live in Iowa now? Yeah. Okay. But I don't, like... I don't feel the same way about him, like, gutturally that I feel about my mom. Right, yeah. I guess. Um, so <clears throat> where, whereabouts in Washington, where did you move to? Bellingham. Bellingham? Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So you missed, so ra- raised in Bellingham. Yeah. Most, yeah. most of your, your, your ticks and the way you act is, was developed in Bellingham. <laughs> oh, is that, that's so you want, you just want to be yeah. right. You want to be like, uh, yeah, that's why <laughs> it's not because I was just completely wrong in making assumptions. It's because I saw the Bellingham in you. <laughs> well, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I thought I imagined you telling me that you were born in Washington for, mm. at, at some point. No, no, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've never asked you where you were born. Not yeah. even, not even once. I'm so sorry. Born in yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I guess what my real question was like growing up, um, and so you go to Bellingham High School, Sea Home, or Sea Home High School. Yeah, uh, what were those years like? I want to know high school Caleb. What's well, high school junior high Caleb like? Was he a shy little guy? Or from was he, uh, did he talk too much like Kevin? <laughs> from grade school through middle school, I went to the Whatcom Hills Waldorf School, uh-huh. which is just really weird, and it definitely ruined me for high school. Wait, like, why was it so weird? Oh, it's just like. Uh, it's kind of like Montessori, like like everybody like plays in the forest with gnomes and writes with crayons. <laughs> what? what? And you're like not allowed to talk about like TV or any, <laughs> you have to wear like solid colored clothing and you. Oh, I see what you mean. You like write in cursive with like a dippy pen and stuff. Wait, so really? <clears throat> yeah, it's like, like it's really like there's no computers in the school. Oh Wait, gosh. why? You learn like how to dance and how to crochet and stuff. Uh, it's, like, it's just like a certain type of thing. I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like you almost described Hogwarts. Just yeah. Like, yeah, it's like Hogwarts without the magic. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so going from that into high school was so awkward. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And my, my class at the Waldo School was of 10. There were uh-huh. 10 of us. And we were just like oh, all good friends. Uh-huh. So then going into a place where I don't know anybody and people are talking about like meth and sex. Right. And I'm like, what? What's that? Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, I definitely sat by myself in the cafeteria for, like, all of my freshman year, for the most part, oh, like, man. pretty oh, much all yeah. of it, and, like... Were there other kids from that school that no. came to... Oh, just you. No, okay, I was the shoot. only one from my yeah. class of 10 that was going to see uh-huh. home. Oh, no, I wasn't. There were there were uh, two other okay. kids that went to see home, but they were, you know, kind of, like, in different social groups, I guess, and right. they, they, like, had social groups. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what, like, uh, why'd you end up going to see home, I guess? Because yeah. I was in the district. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. I see. Yeah. Um, but, and the thing is that a lot of the people who went to the Waldorf school lived a lot closer to it, but I, I lived in like the Seahome district in HUD housing uh-huh. and like, cause a lot of the people, a lot of people that go to the Waldorf school are, are more well off, Yeah, I guess, cause it costs quite a bit of money. Um, and you know, I, throughout my whole childhood, I've always been like in a low income family and right. we ended up getting a, like a scholarship oh, for, okay, for me to go cool. to the Waldorf school. Um, so, but, so, like, is that, like, how you were labeled by the other kids? Like, you're the kid from this different school, or did they not really? They didn't really know, I don't think. I was just okay. really weird. I was really quiet, and I wore this big puffy green jacket, and I <laughs> Every probably, day. Yeah, I probably, yeah. like, looked really depressed all the time, and, yeah, it was definitely strange. I remember I turned... Just the result of being sheltered, or, like, oh, that's just, how it felt anyway? It was, like, or? fish out of water. Like, gotcha. I felt comfortable 
like talking about Greek mythology and like clacking uh. rocks together, <laughs> and everybody else like knew what like shoes like the brands of shoes names were. Uh. Um, <laughs> Or talked about, like, FIFA. Everybody knew what the brands of shoes names were. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I turned in my first paper, and I had written it by hand, and my teacher was like, I can't accept this. And I was like, why not? Yeah. And they were like, D- you didn't type it. And I was like, uh-huh. I don't know how to type. <laughs> Crap. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, so, uh, did you did you do, like, pretty well in school? or Not really. Yeah. I didn't really like because it was tough because you just like wanted to do everything up like things little little things like that I imagine like just got in the way all the time. Yeah, I was just like my head was in the clouds. I was just like this dirty little poor nobody that like <laughs> oh, thought no. of like I like just played video games and uh-huh. thought about stuff in my head and right. had yeah, like, it just little like stories. You started like developing characters and yeah. I, towards the end of my freshman year, I got really involved with the drama program at okay. high school, and then I started to like get a friend group. Gotcha. Because like the drama kids and I did. Uh, like seven of the plays over the course of my time uh-huh. at high school, of like two, they have like had like two a year, and I did seven, so I did a lot of. So them. is that when your creative side really started to come out, or was it? What would you say it's prior to that? Uh, well, my creative side started to come out just definitely like, when like immediately after I was born. I guess I don't know. Like <laughs> my hobbies have always been like drawing and uh-huh. writing and stuff. Okay. But yeah, but I so so as young as like. Oh, as soon as I could draw. As soon as right. you could, okay. Yeah. Right. But, like, the, having the need to, like, be on a stage. That was in high school. Okay. And it wasn't, like, an, I don't know. I just realized that I could do it uh-huh. and that I was, like, proficient at it. Gotcha. And I never saw it as, like, a career choice or uh-huh. a career path, but just that I I didn't feel uncomfortable on stage. Yeah, it's, like, a place where you're accepted. Yeah. Um, like, that was, like, I didn't have stage fright. And I see. I, and I don't have stage fright currently. Um, what about, like, the need to be funny? Did you, Was that... Did that come about around high school era, or I I was always like really into trying to make people laugh around me. This is uh-huh. just like the ultimate dumb little stupid white boy. Like yeah, I like just humor and making people. <laughs> I just the magic of comedy. And oh, everybody said I would be a stand-up comedian. And oh look, oh the little funny guy. He's a real yeah. sense of humor, real jokester. Um, but like in in grade school, I my mom always berates me with the cute fact that. I had a specific method of making everybody else in my class laugh individually, Aww. like that I could, that I had like a trick for everybody. <laughs> That's so, great. Oh, for like each individual student. Yeah. That's oh, so I funny. What you mean. So I guess like the concept of people having different senses of humor was an early thing that I, that I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, it might've gotten cut. I don't know. Um, but we started to touch on that like first satellite session where you didn't mm-hmm. make main stage <clears throat> yeah um and now's your big chance to talk more about that uh-huh. I, mean, I it was actually something i, I thought about because I, I know you've kind of alluded to it just in like conversations mm-hmm. we've had but i don't know if you ever talked about it specifically so just talk about what that experience was like because uh didn't like like other people got caught up too around that time around the same time yeah nobody got called up at the end of my session oh i see okay but there were oh really yeah but there were certain people who got called up early or shortly after Okay. So um, should I just go? Yeah. Just so go I mean, at the end it. of the first yeah. session, it's like six. Yeah. So first, the first <clears throat> session, Caleb gets on satellite. Uh, it's like six months of just like working really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find yourself that you're improving, and like, mm-hmm. h- how high were these hopes of getting on? We're like, you know what? I'm, I think I'm in the top three. I'm I kept to, like, telling myself that I w- didn't want to have any ideas about uh-huh. getting on, 
but I just couldn't help but think it was so likely right. that I would get on. Like I felt really confident that I was uh, one of the strongest performers in uh-huh. the group. Like, and you I, take a look at your other satellite members, and you're just like, these guys aren't as good as I am. Like, <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was just that like I knew that there was a lot of like apprehension from a lot of the other members uh-huh. about doing a show. I see. And that I was like really excited. Uh, at the opportunity, I mean that makes them sound like criminals or something. Right. Like, they didn't appreciate the. <laughs> no, opportunity. no, I, I but, mean I, I can I can attest to that. Yeah. You you definitely start to feel at least I did at the end yeah. of my like before I got called up like uh-huh. where you're just like I'm just happy to be improvising mm-hmm. on right. a stage where there's uh-huh. an audience yeah. and like you definitely see it where like there's talented improvisers who are still uh-huh. hesitant mm-hmm. and that's yeah. I think that's usually like yeah. the biggest difference. And uh, I I was I remember being told by someone on main stage I can't wait till you get called up to main stage. Uh-huh. And oh man, little things having like having a discussion that was just like, yeah. oh, you're obviously gonna get called up. Yeah, and like I'm... literally got said to me uh-huh. by certain people. And then also, uh, I ha- had been asked to be in eleven main stage shows during my first satellite session, which was, I mean, I feel like that's on the upper end. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, definitely, I definitely yeah. felt really comfortable with like the concept of performing in main stage right. shows. So it, despite my best efforts to think that I wouldn't, I was really expecting to get called up. Yeah. Well, having those little things saying like, oh man, can't wait till we get called up to mains, like that, mm-hmm. oh man, I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to say that. It's yeah. like when I was auditioning for Satellite and Kevin was like, oh, you're probably a shoe in. I was like, did don't. I say that? Yeah. I, was I like, didn't say that. Yeah. I was like, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, well. like, that's awful. It's like, or Last Comic Standing, like Rebecca Reader talked about how like when people are like, you'll definitely get first place. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, don't say that. Like it'll mess with your head like a lot. Yeah. Like, so that was pretty it weird. It should be against the rules for anyone to say that. Yeah, what was yeah. what was your, like, reaction when you didn't make it? Like, what was... How did that f- feel, I guess? I guess I, I really just felt like crap. Like, I felt really bad, and I wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, this all sounds really, like, charmed and, like, super privileged. Of Like, why would I not get called up <laughs> to an elite performance Well, team? you get rejected, I... and you just... You, you want answers. Right, it felt like, yeah. it felt like I got, like, dumped... Or something. Uh-huh. No, totally. And yeah. so I, I like, or, I organized a conversation with the artistic director at the time, and uh, he was really open with me about it, which was actually pretty hard because he said he was like, "Oh, your your improv is really great, but there are certain people who have issues with your personality." I see. And I was just like, I was devastated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like yeah. I was like blown apart right like hearing that like i maybe could have been good enough of an improviser but that somebody hated me or that's an over that's an exaggeration but that's how i felt like oh my gosh like i'm never gonna be able to look at everybody in the in the eyes again because Uh i know that somebody like doesn't like me right yeah that somebody thinks that like my personality is a red flag and i see myself as like trying to be really kind to a lot of people and uh-huh. I just wonder what that's like and then I go through in my head all the situations that I was ever in the green room with someone from main stage like right. what's the potential thing that could have made someone yeah. upset or whatever and I remember you this have that moment. like montage in your head and yeah it's just like, and yeah. it all goes back to this one moment where I remember uh, <laughs> Trevor I was on satellite with Trevor Gendum uh-huh. and uh, he was like uh, guys uh, what if we did <laughs> what What if why don't we do an ass cat why don't we do an ass cat and th- this was like 
Wow, that's actually a decent Trevor voice. This is like it's, it's exaggerated, but I can I can see. Anyway, right. Trevor's not a Muppet. <laughs> no, I mean it's obviously like a cartoon version of him. I thought I was like, why are you doing that weird voice? But no, the inflection, the, the inflection, the inflection is, is there. Is yeah, there. Okay, All right. Yeah, okay. Anyways. Anyway, so this is on. like like five minutes before we're gonna go on stage. Yeah. And I and I just turned to him and Trevor and I were were buddies and we're still uh-huh. buddies. Yeah. So we had this sort of colloquial attitude. Yeah. And I was like, Trevor. We're not doing an ASCAT. Uh-huh. And then we just like, and he was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then like, right when that happened, I like turned and then I made eye contact with someone on main stage and they were just like staring at me and I was like, oh no, they, they're going to think that I hate, that I'm a bad egg and that I don't like Trevor and that like, oh, I know no. that they oh, like Trevor. Yeah. And then Trevor like got called up almost immediately after I didn't. So then I was like, oh no, everybody probably loved Trevor and they thought yeah. that I was like hurting Trevor and I was just like being all like a friend but then I guess, I don't know. So I felt but, yeah. really bad. Like long story short. Were you looking to blame, was it, well, I know so, like after rejection, like do you look to blame like anybody but yourself or is it the opposite way? Is it just like straight self-deprecation? Well. Mix of both? It just felt unfortunate. I didn't wish anything had, I didn't wish I had done anything differently because I felt like I had done everything the way that I intend to be. Like uh-huh. I was just honestly myself the whole time. Mm-hmm. And if something bad happened when, and somebody caught the tail end of like a joke gone wrong, uh-huh. then, you know, I'm sad that that happened, you know, but I don't know if I'd like conscientiously decide to do it differently again, if I could go back and like make sure that I was really nice all the time on yeah. purpose. No, totally. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, and and I was just thinking, like, I, I just, like, didn't go to the theater at all for uh-huh. the three months, three months Yeah, off. I mean, understandably, like, yeah. it's just, there's too much, there's fresh wounds, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and what gave you the push to audition again? Because, like, I imagine that must have been kind of a tough choice. Yeah. It, well, it was that I knew I was going to be in Bellingham because I was doing the YouTube channel. Right. So I just decided if I'm going to be in Bellingham, I might as well try it again. Okay. And I think I also was thinking like if I show them that I'm willing to to try again, you know, maybe that's worth something. I don't know. Oh, and I'll, and I'll say that like I mean, it was awesome doing satellite with you cuz you got called up uh, halfway through my first session. Right. And uh <laughs> I remember too, you set the bar really high for me. Like not that the bar is like low for satellite necessarily, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's more of like a grab bag of like people who have experience and people who don't. And I remember getting on um, and you kind of like were like this, st- not not like you uh, you were the star of the show, not in the way of like you jumping on like mm-hmm. I'm gonna take control, but just you were so confident and you were like such like just such a talented improviser. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is what satellites like. I was like, I'm never gonna make me like, <laughs> the standard was so high. And then you got called up and it was like, oh yeah, of course, like yeah. he's so good. And so I don't oh, know, it was you. it was really cool getting to play with you on satellite. Um, and it. I don't know. It was you set a good example. So and it oh, is really good. cool that yeah. those three months you took off that you started that YouTube channel. I think it's like, I think some of the best like creative projects can come from like a state of rejection or uh, like this podcast potentially. Like you know, it's just sort of like we've talked about it a lot, yeah. but it's sort of like man, we're we're not, we're not doing anything and we're depressed. If I hadn't got yeah. dumped, I wouldn't be here right I now. I know. Probably. Yeah. If I had. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good Seriously. creativity comes from <laughs> failure and sadness and stuff and also i think it was important for me because like to be honest my improv was going pretty solidly and i don't want to say it's good to get like slapped into shape or whatever Mm -hmm. but it was definitely good for me to to like have that failure i think It, it just gave me perspective and it's made me think that like having a failure 
or having a moment where you try really hard and don't get something Mm -hmm. is like valuable totally like now in retrospect it seems so valuable because i can sort of see everything i got from it but if you sort of like keep failing and failing and failing it's not going to seem valuable until you you get it right but then when you do get it it's going to like seem so valuable totally um so uh i'll ask the big question that we ask of everybody on Uh the show um so just more generally, um, have you dealt with depression and or anxiety, and how has that affected you uh, creatively? I have dealt with depression and anxiety, and so let's see. I guess I'll start with depression. I associate that with a lot of my like high school years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't want to say I've like grown out of depression. I definitely still have a good depression every every now and again but i kind of like enjoy it now it's nice to have it sometimes i don't have a depression like i almost exclusively enjoy it now (laughs) because like i feel like i've gotten through some of the hard depression things and you know it's very lucky for me to like not have to feel tormented by it Mm -hmm. but when it happens i can be like oh maybe i should write a song i guess because of how depressed I am. I will say that, like, you know, depression is a serious a serious thing. Uh-huh. And that, you know, it's being able to say that I would ever, like, enjoy any part of it right. is, is, like, super charmed. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to say that. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel like every emotion has value. And I think that there's a, a right way and a wrong way. Just like the, there's a right way and a wrong way to be a pirate improviser or a robot or a ninja oh, okay. i was like say be a pirate no. like, we yeah, did do I a guess. pirate format so, yeah. yeah so but like yeah i don't know certain people feel like certain emotions are bad and that they don't want to experience them but i think that i don't i don't agree with that i guess no i i i, I agree with your disagreement i like yeah. i agree completely i think yeah. that there's it's definitely valuable to experience mm-hmm. um even something like depression um, yeah I'm, I'm not saying you know like if you have depression then just like tough it out or something at right. all yeah but if you if you feel comfortable feeling comfortable about it then don't think that you're wrong i mm-hmm. guess okay. and i think it's it's okay i don't know i i really love just like melancholy and and like sadness as a concept and you know i love like making a sad playlist of songs and just like (laughs) feeling sad and like in a good way so my i definitely struggled really heavily with my depression in in high school and i feel like i don't want to say i've like grown out of it but i've or conquered it or anything like that i Uh certainly i certainly still will get little waves of depression but nothing as much as in high school but the the real zinger in my life, at least recently, has been anxiety for mm-hmm. sure. Like that didn't, I didn't have as much anxiety in high school, mm-hmm. but then now I sort of just seem to have a lot of it and it started to grow uh, over the last couple of years. Like I don't think it's, I think it's definitely like still growing currently and it's almost exclusively social anxiety. Like I have really, really intense social anxiety. This, okay, so... You said this this anxiety has been growing over the past year. You said, mm-hmm. okay. Does, do you think that that's is related to improv? Is is there, is there like a correlation? Me too, Kevin. Do you think there's like a correlation with like high anxiety and being part of like an improv team? I can't, I can't speak for Caleb. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm asking both of you. Well, I <laughs> all I can say is that I certainly will often feel anxious in the green room when there's a lot of people mm-hmm. there, like on Thursdays when there's just a ton of people. I never feel anxious on stage, mm-hmm. but. Uh, for me, the anxiety that I feel isn't so much like uh, a formula. It's like I, I I don't want to feel it when I do, and it doesn't make sense to me why I'm feeling it, but it's mm-hmm. just like this inexplicable physical reaction that I get. 
And it most commonly happens, you know, when I'm like in a crowd of people that I don't know or when I'm around people that I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, it started, I don't know. I, I was in a relationship with someone who was very extroverted right? and I was very introverted. And I remember like really caring a lot about them and, uh, wanting to like make it work and Mm -hmm. wanting to do things that they like to do and have them do things I like to do. And, and just like having this idealized thing and it ended up going, getting to a point where, I had I agreed to like go to this festival with them and camp out. Uh-huh. And during one of the nights, I had like this super like devastatingly intense panic attack because of how anxious I was feeling at all the people that were surrounding me and like all the walls were like crushing in. Oh wow! So then uh, they drove me home, and then went back to it. And after that point, I felt like I was just like a permanently different person after having like that devastating panic attack at this like happy festival mm-hmm. with a bunch of people in tents having a good time and just like a brutal like f- physical convulsions terrible nightmare sad panic attack uh-huh. yeah no that sucks and and like i i had had one before in the past but i i don't consider myself someone that has panic attacks uh-huh. regularly um but yeah i guess i just like i really wanted to be the person the type of person that could do that and then I felt like I couldn't. Right. And then I ended up breaking up with them just because I felt like it was all weird now. Uh-huh. And, and I don't know. I feel bad because, like, I definitely, you know, care about them as, as a person. And uh, this is sounding really weird. It's like, oh, I still care about... <laughs> I, that is, that's not at all what I mean. But I, <laughs> what I mean was that I just, I was, like, so shocked by myself that I like didn't I felt like I didn't even know who I was anymore. Right. And it's like, even since then I've still been like getting more and more anxious and it's really strange. Like I was in Fred Meyer a while ago and it, it always flares up in grocery stores. I know a yeah, lot of people feel I, that way. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, but I, I got so anxious that like, I felt like I was, I started to astrally project and like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I was just like holding a cart and I was like, I just have to disassociate from this or else I'm going to have a panic attack. So I tried, like, my brain just, like, disassociated so hard that I was, like, watching myself walk around with the cart. Yeah. And I, like, don't remember what happened. And I just remember, like, seeing... Oh, that's wild. Like, looking down on myself as I was doing all this stuff uh-huh. in Fred Meyer. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to tell a story uh-huh. about... I had an anxiety, uh, a minor anxiety attack. I just mm-hmm. needed to get honey out of a Fred Meyer and I didn't know yeah, where honey me about that. Yeah, I didn't, didn't know, know where honey, honey was, was categorized yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. and it was like the one thing I needed uh-huh. and I couldn't find it and I looked through like three aisles and at a certain point I had to leave and so I didn't yeah. get honey and now I I've since it's, learned I it's think it's next the to the coffee it's, oh. in, it's next oh, by to the, the jelly? jelly okay really yeah oh man the concept of like having to leave because of anxiety <laughs> it's like so real to me yeah, yeah just like oh I'm I have to go <laughs> I guess ultimately like I feel glad to have had experiences with anxiety because i feel like a lot of people have anxiety right and it's nice to be able to like be on the same page with those people in some way and i'm not saying that like anybody's anxiety is the same but i i don't know i I care a lot about when i when i know that somebody it has anxiety like it makes me feel a lot of empathy right for that person 
it's just it's interesting because it's almost like the opposite for me like i just call, got called up to satellite haven't mm-hmm. had a single thing like yeah. no, not one gym or one show with satellite and my anxiety has like already spiked like within this past week oh yeah yeah just like being like improv is so much fun but then there's like I like I mainly I mainly do stand up and it's sort of like oh here are my jokes so like I could take it or not but now improv is like this added element it's like impress the audience and also like you have like your fellow performers and like it's so important to like be friends with all of them there's like that added stress uh, can you relate to like ha- like wanting to be friends with like everybody in the green room all the time I feel like that's just like this stress that like I I hate that like, yeah I don't feel that stress because I'm so unconcerned with being friends with people okay like. Yeah. It, Not in like a cold way. No, yeah, saying, no. I mean like obviously like I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm friends with both of you uh-huh. and, and I enjoy it. <laughs> right. But I I don't like seek out friendship, I guess. Okay. Like anytime I'm in a social situation where I don't know people, I generally just stick to myself. Right. I will commu- I'll talk to somebody if I if I know them uh-huh. or I'll reach out to them if I feel like there was a common right. thing that we like mm-hmm. I know that like I reached out to Kevin because I know uh-huh. that we both like Pokemon a lot yeah. right. and that was <laughs> able to be like yeah. this bridge uh-huh. that would like yeah, circumvented totally. anxiety right. for me okay. in that sense but yeah I, I'm not thinking like oh I should be friends with this person or I should get to know them which makes me seem cold a lot of the time no, you know, like, no. like a new person will walk in the room and I'll just like have glazed eyes looking forward like not caring about yeah. that at all but yeah no, I've definitely, like, for me, I have, like, the opposite where it's, like, I, va- well, I, I value, like, really, like, uh, deep relationships more, uh-huh. like, and friendships more than, like, shallow ones, but I also am, like, I want everyone, I want everyone to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> not, not like you don't want them to feel good, but I, like, have this strong need to, like, try and be friends with everybody. Right. Yeah. And it's, like, it, it took, like, a conscious effort in the last couple of years to, re- like, my anxiety got worse, uh, I think, in college as well, like, my social anxiety. And I remember there was, like, this conscious shift I had to make to, like, be okay with just being so uncomfortable that I don't talk to people in a room. Because, like, right. I felt, I used to, like, feel this pressure to, like, I have to go and talk to someone. Uh-huh. I, or they're going to notice that I'm just standing here looking weird. And, yeah. like, they're going to think I'm weird. And then, like, they're never going to talk to me. It's so, like, yeah. I, I had felt, like, this really strong pressure for, like, a, uh, I guess a few years to, like, just yeah. go and talk to people. Otherwise, uh-huh. I would, like, feel just so crushingly weird yeah, <laughs> that, like, exactly. I couldn't live yeah. with myself. Uh-huh. But then I've... It, like, I just realized, like, I feel so uncomfortable in these yeah. situations, and talking to people doesn't help. Right. I had to learn mm-hmm. how to, like, not talk yeah. to people. <laughs> I'll tell you that, like, doing stand-up, with, when I first started doing stand-up at the upfront, so uncomfortable in that group. It's, like, yeah. never been, like, walking in 18 years old, and, like, everyone, like, all these, like, main stagers that I've never met, like, just got done with the show, and they're all talking, like, Ryan Stiles is there. And yeah. I literally just have to, like, sit, and it's, like, not that big of a green room, so I can't, like, be by myself. I'm just, like, mm-hmm. sitting on a couch full of people who are talking to each other. And I'm just, like, I just have to sit there by myself. I'm not, like, going around introducing myself, like, yeah, so I can totally understand when, like, during, it's, like, you feel the need to, like, oh, I need to, like, I don't know, because <laughs> I don't know why this is a, a thing, but, like, you just assume that, like, Someone's going to see you sitting there by yourself and be like, look at that freak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sitting by himself. What's funny is that I know that those those freaks are the people that I would most want to be friends with. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. But it's also not, even though I know that, if I see somebody like that in a group, I still won't approach them Mm -hmm. because like I'm still too anxious to approach them myself. So I'll be like, oh, I bet we would have a really fulfilling friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Just a fantasy of you two talking. Yeah, but then I just like stay in my corner and they stay in their corner. It's so sad. (laughs) What a delightful conversation you've been listening to. Well, we'll return to that delightful conversation after a word from our sponsor, Bellingham Coin Shop. 
Bellingham's best buyer of gold, silver, coins, and jewelry. Also trading in estates or dealing in awesome funky stuff, I'm cool with whatever you say. You should just give me something to read off word for word so I get it right. Ha, huh. okay. Well, that's it. All right. He's also got antiques. Why don't you give it, check it out. Bellingham Coin Shop. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, oh, okay, what, uh, what inspires you, Caleb? Inspires it doesn't you? have anything. What creatively, in, like, piece of thing, piece? art, art, if you want to call it that. Well it doesn't said, that, Kev. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Piece of th- what piece of thing uh, this is, inspires this is you? Really open ended, uh-huh. huh? Just yeah. yeah. Or just recent, recently. What are you into? Well, uh, so there's this the concept of outsider artists. Uh, I, I don't know if like if you're familiar exactly with with that concept but it's like the idea that that somebody is like creating art sort of outside of society uh-huh. and they're just weird uh-huh. like, like a weird person making art <laughs> sure yeah. like an example that jumps to my mind is is like henry darger okay. who is like this guy that people discovered that he had done art did art after he died and he had like all these huge fantasy novels that he illustrated oh, wow. about this weird world and he like didn't know a lot of like normal things like he he sort of had like a a youthful brain and stuff yeah and it right. was just this weird world that he made and it's like art that it just yeah like exists outside of the regular sphere of art so i'm really interested in like art that is almost outsider art yeah but that is still somehow manages to cling <laughs> to cling to the sure. normal i don't know that's, no, that's it's, a really weird the, no it's yeah. an example uh well my favorite example is my favorite youtube channel and it it really means so much to me, and it is Rat Boy Genius. Okay. And Rat Boy Genius is just like this completely amazing series of videos in which this guy like CGI animates this weird rat <laughs> that like talks about <laughs> concepts. And now there's like this whole story, and there was this one point where he started getting really into Minecraft and like okay. he would put like Minecraft backgrounds in the videos <laughs> and he's he's like a has a master's in in composition okay. or a PhD in composition I don't know he's like he's super smart and he has like he's really good at music and there's just these amazing musical compositions in it and it's so <laughs> like I I care about it so much um <laughs> That's and awesome. uh sort of like a way that I, I gauge whether or not I have a chance of becoming like really close friends with somebody is whether or not they see any value in it. <laughs> like every time that I've shown it to somebody and they've been like, wow, I like this part of it. Then I'm, I've, I know that like, <laughs> Oh, we we're definitely going to be friends. It's great. It's, it's really, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So there's rat boy genius. That's, that's an example of that, I guess. Caleb, uh, you're one of those people. Yeah. I would like, I trust any single like, recommendation ever because like everything you've ever, ever shown me is like great oh nice <laughs> so, okay well, well i have to like watch all these now to, just, yeah, i can do some like rapid fire uh recommendations of things <laughs> oh, in different please. genres uh-huh. this is just for me i'm just gonna like look it up yeah yeah so uh <clears throat> let's see here uh for a book i would recommend 
Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Okay. That's my favorite book of all time. I, I would also recommend Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon, which is this really old sci-fi book about this guy that starts to travel through outer space on accident Ooh. by astrally projecting. Oh, and oh like, cool. It's just this exploration of like him experiencing all these things in outer space. And there's this one part in it that I that blew me away and I was just like, this is the reason why I like this book. And it's this part where like he goes so far out into like outside of the un- outside of the galaxy and uh-huh. just into the depths and the darkness of space that he gets lost. And he's he's been going for like ten years just in one direction. Oh wow. At the speed of light. And he just like and he just is in pitch blackness and can no longer orient himself. And there's this whole period in the book where he's just lost in that blackness of space. And it's, it's like, so cool. Oh that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So, that, so that's a fun little book. Uh, light, f- light reading. I was going to say, yeah, it's a light reading. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. actually really short. Um, and I mean, Virginia Woolf is just amazing at everything she does. Uh-huh. I don't even want to get into it, but just like <laughs> read a lot of, read Virginia Woolf's writing. She's amazing. Uh, the two, my two favorite bands, I'm going to, I'm going to bring those up. Okay. Well, yeah, well actually, please do like it. one of them's, one of them's not a band. Uh, but anyway, so my favorite band is, is the Roadside Graves and they mean a whole lot to me. Like I started listening to them at the beginning of high school and what kind I've, of genre are they? I guess like, uh, indie rock okay. is the easiest way to encompass them. They started out like sort of indie country rock okay and then now they're more like sort of punky mm-hmm. and like I, I they've definitely evolved over time and, and yeah. they're really small it's just like it's kind of just like this group of dads basically <laughs> that make music where are they from for some reason when you said they're really small i pictured and then like, dads literally? like really small <laughs> dads. small like, dads. like yeah. palm they could fit in the palm of my hand and they're playing a, a song <laughs> they never made it big yeah. it makes me oh, God. they're too small yeah they're too small to make it big yeah. <laughs> 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 i think sorry. that yeah. no they they should probably be called small dads that's like a oh that's band. a great band. that is a great band. Oh, i actually know a band called dads I wanted I wanted to call my no I wanted to call my band Hot Dads uh-huh. but then Dads is already a band yeah. that I like so yeah. I couldn't do it. I think Small Dads is a good and the, your first album can be Never Making It Big. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I I would recommend that you know they've changed so much over the years and I was able to see them live uh, about two years ago and it was just like the perfect cap to my life. Uh-huh. I I didn't die though like I kept living so that's nice but. <laughs> I had a great. I peaked. I had a great ending point uh, <laughs> when I saw them. Perfect cap to my life. <laughs> but, I kept leaving, which is fine. Yeah, uh, I, I would recommend from their most recent album the song "Acne Slash Ears." It's very good. And then my other, my favorite musician beyond Roadside Graves would be Jay Dilla, who is a uh, a producer and uh, like a hip hop DJ and uh, MC. And he's he's done a little bit of rap as well, but uh-huh. he's basically you know like one of one of the That's people. That's a great MC name. Yeah, does like yeah. the the backing, like all the stuff behind the rap music, uh-huh. basically. Mm-hmm. But and he but he's currently dead, and he has this one album, Donuts, that he made in the hospital, oh, and he whoa. he died six days after oh, wow. it was released. Shit! And it's like a, a complete magnum opus. It's amazing, uh-huh. and 
I, I especially recommend the song Time the Donut of the Heart by Jay Dilla. It's, yeah. What about movies? Um, movies? What films make you just Let's see. tickle you? Just tickle I, you. I like... What, tick, what tickles your fancy? I like action movies a lot. I like, like, I don't want to say bad action movies, but, like... But just, like, visually pleasing like, action movies? Like, yeah. When you well, say action movies, like, bad action movies, like, like Fast and the Furious? Well, no, you, you really like The Raid Redemption. Yeah, right? The I Raid Redemption. I think that's Redemption. a good example. Okay. That's a great example of, like, one of my favorite movies. And then... Would you I, say, like, a, but does that fall under the category of, like, bad action movie? Well, or, the or thing is, it... is it's, like, the it's like a really good bad action movie. Okay. Is it, It's, like, the peak of the genre bad action movie, yeah. I think. Like it, I, I told... Yeah. It's hard to what explain. Well, and same, and same, like, you... I don't need to speak more. No, 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 no. We've yeah. been watching movies together a lot. You uh, also like Pacific Rim, which yeah. is, like, oh. which I also love. And that's... I would kind of categorize I, that as a well-written... Like, a B-movie that knows it's a B-movie, yeah. almost. Which has, like, some of the best action sequences, like, that I've ever... Like, large-scale action sequences sure. I've ever seen. I love but, it when there's an action sequence that can carry itself. Yeah. Like, when the scene... When you're like, I'm sure glad that scene happened, even though there was yeah. no exposition, and uh-huh. it was just an action sequence. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Kevin, uh, question: yeah, sure. Are you Team Jaeger or Team Kaiju? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I think uh, hmm. which one? Which one's the monsters? Kaiju. Kaiju. Kaiju? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. How would you define team in that? Just like which well, like, designs are like who do you which... who like who are you cooler? more excited to see? Yeah. Dom, oh, like I love the idea. Ass. I love. I, I think the thing that sells uh, the Jaegers for me is the fact that they share, like, a mind. Like, t- it's two mm-hmm. people who have to be so connected on, like, an emotional in like level that, yeah. th- that that's what's controlling the robot, that the robot literally can't exist uh-huh. other than the connection between these two people. Uh-huh. And that's, like, I love that. Like, this, I love that concept. And so, for me, there's just, like, this emotional pull. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm interested in what they do with the sequel because I think there's these really... Was it going to be a sequel? Yes. Okay. I thought it was, like, canceled uh, or something. It's, yeah. like, kind of in production hell, but I think it's still yeah, happening. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's going to be... A, it might be a prequel. I don't, I've heard a lot of things about uh-huh. it, but I'm not sure. But uh, the thing that's really interesting about the end of that movie, and I'm just going to put a spoiler alert, because I'm not going to... If I'll either cut this whole discussion, right. but if I keep in the discussion, this is staying, because I want to talk about it uh, with <laughs> Caleb. So, the end of the movie, where they drop, like, the nuke on the alien uh-huh. planet, yeah. and you just see, like, these these random aliens, like, just pedestrians, basically, on the, yeah. the equivalent of just pedestrians, and they just see this nuke come in, uh-huh. and it doesn't get addressed. They basically just, like, blew up an entire city of, yeah. of <laughs> like, potentially <laughs> innocent aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that... Whoa. So, if they, if they like... Because they didn't explore that at all, but I love that they left that open of like there is a deeper moral issue here. At yeah. least that's how I interpret it. Uh-huh. Um, which maybe with maybe I, I, that's reading too much into it, but I think they have this like really intentional shot of just like all the aliens looking up at this nuke that's coming in. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, maybe I would that would play at my emotional core a little bit more mm-hmm. if that gets more explored. But like ignoring that scene, I just get this really strong emotional connection for the pilots of the Jaegers, and mm-hmm. so for that mm-hmm. reason, I also really like the Jaeger design. I think it's so awesome because yeah, it's yeah. like most of them are just so impractical, and they pr- cost billions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. to make, like for just one fight. Like there's no way <laughs> that was the most cost-effective way to fight these. Things. Well, which team are you on? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm totally like it's tough because I love monsters uh-huh. so much, but mm-hmm. I have to be Team Jaeger, just because there's this visceral visceral reaction that I experience when there's like I don't know how to explain it, but it's like this soothing robot voice that's like talking about scientific jargon when something starts <laughs> up. It's like yeah. mainframe destabilized, right. activating yeah, yeah. pressure core. <laughs> there is something really cool about that. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Just like something yeah. like boop and uh-huh. like all these numbers appearing. And yeah, just like, right. no, totally. Main shields online and just uh-huh. like that kind of thing. Oh, it's so great. Like 
Yeah. That movie's basically like it's basically Rugrats in Paris with the giant. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. It's Rugrats in Paris. Yeah, like it's actually yeah. it's just it's exactly it's, that. It's, it's that like movie's movie. ridiculous. Rugrats in Paris. Rugrats in Paris. That, that could yeah. never happen. Yeah, well, it did babies, have Pacific Rim. Those babies are self-aware too, which is crazy. I don't yeah. think babies think like that at all. I think that in order to like enjoy Rugrats, you have those to get, you have to like accept that really early. <laughs> so like addressing that as a flaw in the movie is like no, but also the Rugrats are just too unrealistic. I don't know that they try to ground that in like our contemporary reality yeah. and that a uh, failed inventor like Stu could make a giant robot uh-huh. like a Jaeger what, where did he get the fucking funding for that <laughs> How did he, I, well, yeah. I guess the theme park okay never I mind guess. but why did the theme park hire him he hasn't done anything worthwhile you're right Kevin there are too many plot holes in Rugrats mm. in Paris Rugrats has not aged well <laughs> God damn it! It's not even a pun. The zingers. Well, I mean, it's such a pun because they don't Rugrats age. Rugrats is not okay. aged. Well. Okay, well, they, it is a pun. It was not. Well, they did. Okay, Rugrats well that just all, makes it better. Rugrats okay. all grown up. I, no, I just I'll, I'll cut that out because it makes me seem less. No, I hope you leave that in. <laughs> Rugrats has not aged well. Come on. No, no, no. It's that. I'll leave that in and I'll leave okay. out the part where I say. That was not uh, meant to that be. That was not meant to be. A okay, it was not unintentional. Um, so let's move on to video games because yeah. we're already like over time. Uh, right. We already have to cut out so right. much of this, which I hate because I'm having a good time. Yeah. Um, but uh, you guys bonded over Pokemon. I know that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we yeah. could talk about Pokemon for like seven hours or yeah. no, way longer than that. I don't know. I picked <laughs> yeah. an arbitrary no, number. Well, we could do a whole bonus episode devoted yeah. to it. Uh, we could yeah. do like a series. Oh, we, we could just do a po- let's just do a Pokemon podcast. A Pokemon we should podcast. just do yeah, okay, the process yeah. like, or like a video a video no, game off, podcast. John. No, the process. John, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the process. Presents. I edit the whole show. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me just pack up my microphones and go home. What are you guys gonna do? He's got a point there. What are you gonna do? Record record it on your shitty phone. Yeah. When you record it yeah. on some sticks and some grass. <laughs> oh, grass, that's a type of Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I have to turn this off. <laughs> this fucking... Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Um, that uh, seems like a lot of work. Also, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we should just save this for the Pokemon well, podcast. We can, we can talk briefly. I know, like, you and I often bond over, uh, like, I th- I, this isn't the only thing we like about video games uh-huh. that is in common, but I think we both like games that do a really great job of world building mm-hmm. and, like, lore building yeah. and that kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. What what, what are your, some of your favorite video games? Uh, I, I want to talk about, like, the two video games that I feel like have shaped me the most okay and like two that i hold so close to my heart and i feel like i never get the opportunity to talk about them yeah oh, because like talk. they're yes. just yeah. inaccessible and nobody cares about them and nobody talks about video games on the show so yeah. i will keep this in because i I welcome yeah. it i love uh-huh. talking yeah. it's not yes video, video games on brother well brother. my favorite video game of all time is heroes of might and magic 3 okay you and, t- yeah yeah that's that. like this on what, on what console uh pc okay it, it's 1997 and it's like a strategy game and it it had it's a turn-based strategy game where there's like an overworld map and a city managing element of it and there's a separate battle screen that's sort of like this chess fire emblemy mm-hmm. type thing and there's like a hero you have a main hero that like progresses like an RPG and you all, there's so many micromanagey things like that that's the thing i like the most about it is that i feel like you feel like you're playing like 10 different games in order to play it like oh i gotta you know make sure my city's okay and i gotta train these kobolds and i gotta uh, that's a horrible there's actually no kobolds in the game i just sound like a real noob when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta train these null marauders that's a I reference to the game. Like <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i think I that, that what i like the most about the game uh-huh. is that it feels good to play and i remember kevin you brought this up once about the binding of isaac and that yeah. you just feel like it's so 
Like it feels so good to play it yeah. and it's so responsive. And I feel that way about Heroes of Might and Magic 3. And then it's like they somehow never managed to get it with any of the earlier or later entries to oh, the no. series. And it's just like the sound like of y- your horse galloping and like the responsiveness of clicking on gold and having it go ding. And just <laughs> like everything about it is such... Uh, this piece de resistance. <laughs> please, please cut that. that. <laughs> Again, oh, the only way to ensure that I will not cut please. it is a request. It's, it's a request. Um, <laughs> Except when uh, it's my great. episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's like, and and the world building's great, and there's just like big giant chunks of text to read that take like ten minutes, and you're just reading this text, and also it had like a super progressive story. Like, the campaign is, like, really difficult and super, like, interesting. Like, you're playing as this, like, the campaign follows Catherine Ironfist, who's just, like, this queen who's seeking vengeance. And you're, like, sailing around smashing creatures. And, oh, oh my gosh. It's, like, so wild that, like, a 1997 (laughs) strategy game had, like, this premise. Yeah, that's awesome. over the course of the game, you play as the quote-unquote good guys and the quote-unquote bad guys, and then you also play as the neutral races <laughs> uh-huh. that are, like, caught oh, wow. in the middle of the That's war. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and there are, like, all these different races that you can be or, like, civilizations that you can pick. Yeah, uh, like, what's the, the second game? The second game yeah. is Yume Nikki, which is... Oh, yeah, you told me about this one. Yeah, it's, like, an RPG maker game that was made by this one Japanese dude, and it's sort of like this experimental exploration-based game where you play as this uh, shut-in girl. And at the start of the game, like, you're stuck in your apartment, and if you try to go outside your apartment, she just, Mm -hmm. like, shakes her head no, and you can't leave your apartment. Right. And you can, like, play a video game or sit at your desk or go to sleep. Uh And when you go to sleep, you start to dream, and then you wake up, and you're in your apartment again, and now you can go outside, but when you go outside, you're in, like, this oh, weird, weird dream. Yeah. So the entirety of the game just takes place, like, within your dreams, and there's, like, all okay. these, like, 12 cool. different doors, and at any point, you can pinch yourself and wake up in your bed, uh-huh. and it's ultimately just sort of, like, exploration, and I guess people would call it, like, a walking simulator. Right. But the art in the game and the soundtrack to the game and the whole thing is just, like, such a visceral experience that that that's like another example of almost outsider art that Mm -hmm. when I experienced it, I just felt so affected by it in these ways that I hadn't felt affected before. Uh And it made me see the value in like art that isn't easy to understand. So uh, before we get into plugs, we're going to remember the one thing that we often forget until it's almost too late. Uh, The takeaway. So we prepped you on this. Uh, What's your big takeaway? Caleb, if, if people could just fast forward to this one soundbite uh-huh. and that's all they heard from you, what would you what would you say? Uh, well, to be as deep as possible, <laughs> uh, I will say, enter a world in your mind. No, that's I'm, I'm not going to start. No, it would it would be a like everybody has something that's unique about them and something that's special and weird and that's not accessible to other people, and I think that that is like the most fun thing to try to learn how to accentuate in your art uh-huh. is the thing that like, isn't really meant for anybody else, but you. Great. Cool. I love, I love that. Can you, can you say that can... again in a Trevor Gendum voice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh guys. <laughs> well, uh, 
what I really think, oh, yeah, well, this joke appeals to such a small set of people. <laughs> this goes out to everybody that knows Trevor Gender. Everybody's a fan oh of Trevor. Man, it's like we had him on the show. We don't even know. He'll <laughs> so probably yeah. be on the show at some point. Can we do so. the Trevor Gender episode? But it's just me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, all right, so now we're gonna get to plugs. Get do you have plugs. anything to plug, Caleb? Uh, you know what? Uh, there's some links that I talked about in the show. So those are probably not, I don't need to plug them here because they're just cool. going to be in it. Yeah. So check out the links. Yeah. I mean, if you want to follow my, my Twitter, I'm sure if, if anything ever amazing happens and I create some cool piece of art, it'll be there. You can check out my YouTube channel. Cool. And then also, I mean, the upfront Thursday, yeah. Friday and Saturday, yeah. you're in a lot of the shows. Oh, if you're in, if you're in Bellingham, yeah. come on down. Oh, I, I do some good jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, don't, funny guy. Well, all don't, right. don't, you know, come well, on, be a humble, be a yeah. little humble. Oh yeah, Let yeah. The yeah. audience be the judge. Um, you just talked about yourself for a long yeah. time, so yeah. I didn't have all those those panic attacks so that I could <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking waste away. Uh, you got any plugs? Uh. Man, I feel like we plugged the process live so much now. Oh yeah, we, that's I over. Feel, it's over now. Uh, I feel um, just so empty. Uh, no, I don't have anything. I don't uh, have anything you can follow plug. me over yeah. at K underscore Hoog or uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, youtubecom slash show. I but... would like. I would like to make a, another plug. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. And I would plug like. I would like to plug uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon are coming <laughs> uh, in November. Yeah. And uh, you know, Poplio is the best starter. So I just that's wanted. Not, to... I mean, Rower uh, is, uh, is so good. We would need another. Uh, to talk about okay, yeah, but, okay. Uh, but I will I will say this if you uh, me and Caleb are moving in in two months with uh, uh, plug. into a Let's house plug that. and <laughs> Sun and Moon is coming out. no Sun yeah. and Moon is coming out and if you befriend us by the time Sun and Moon releases we're gonna have a Pokemon party but you're only invited if you're our friend we don't want any randos so you have like you have some time you've got like yeah. six months or and something. and if you listen to this you know that I don't like often approach people for <laughs> friendship so you have to approach me yeah and you also have to be quiet and you have, Wait, to like, oh, you have to be likable. That sounded really like, oh, you have, have to be quiet. They have to be likable. Yeah. yeah. Am I invited? Uh, you, 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 I'll take my answer off the record. <laughs> Maybe we could just cut this. Yeah, we'll just cut this it's embarrassing time. that, you know, you asked that. <laughs> okay. well, I'm just, you know, get, I just want to, I just want the, I'm just planting the seed. Look, so John. You guys have plenty of time to think about it. Another, yeah. another thing that has to do with whether or not you can come is whether or not you respect Pokemon. Okay. So, like, if you respect Pokemon, you're already our friend, so, like, you just gotta. Okay. You do, don't be one of those people. It's like I'm just here for the. Oh, I thought it was chips. the other way around. What's your favorite generation of Pokemon? Uh, probably the second. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. I thought like you knew I respected Pokemon, but you, I wasn't sure if you guys were oh, friends. Yeah. yeah. It's both yeah. for me. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Kevin. What? What well, is there? A, there's no right answer. To that, what would you that? have the least respect for if somebody answered yeah. for somebody to answer I mean, that Gen question? Because yeah. no, here's the follow-up. I'd be like, why? And the, there's like a very because I think Gen 1... Because the designs in Gen yeah. 1 are the best. Is that the, the that, shittiest? That's, no. that's the shittiest. No, yeah. I think... Uh, it's the nostalgia factor. I'll have to cut this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll surely have yeah. to cut this. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the the re, the thing Gen 1 does the best is exploration. Yeah. And if they have a, like a, a, a well-thought-out and well-structured argument about exploration in Gen 1, then I could accept that as being their favorite gen. Because that's a video I want to make, is about mm-hmm. how exploration got progressively worse with each iteration, and yeah. that the games just had shifted focus, and that, that shifted focus is still really strong, but that Gen 1's exploration yeah, is I've, by far the best. I've definitely said this before, but Gen 1 is, is basically a Metroidvania game. Yeah. Oh, I, have to- I, I could totally agree. Okay, we, we, got, we have to. <laughs> okay. uh, thanks for being on the <laughs> show, Caleb. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we want to talk about that so much more. Okay, all right, it's fine. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for being here. Yeah, uh, finally, you, Kev, yeah. uh, I think you hit that button. Hit, hit that button.
Thanks for listening to The Process. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, be sure to give us a like uh, at facebook.com slash The Process with John and Kevin or subscribe over at SoundCloud uh, slash The Process with John and Kevin or any podcasting app. Uh, and that's a wrap on season two of The Process. Uh, make sure like to look at it. It's a salad wrap. It's a salad wrap or um, or like a like a rap group. Or like a DK rap. Mm-hmm. Or like a, like a saran wrap. There's a lot of raps is yeah. what we're saying. Uh, uh, that's a wrap. On that's a wrap two. on season two. Uh, look out! We'll probably we'll have a bonus uh, episode coming out soon. Next week. Uh, next you can week. be optimistic. Yeah, I'm gonna be optimistic. season two reflections. Where I apologize <laughs> so... to John profusely about my scheduling. <laughs> I'm this, so optimistic uh, this about our release dates. Uh, yeah, season two reflections. Look out for that, and look out for the premiere of season three. We haven't decided that. Uh, we don't know who's gonna be the first guest, but we definitely have one recorded, and yeah. we're going to be recording another one uh-huh. this weekend. So. I don't know when. Probably the first week of July is when we'll yeah, premiere. Yeah, first or second week of July. Yeah. Yep. We'll have it. <laughs> I'm figured. trying to be optimistic. Ah. Okay. Well, man- manage your optimism, John. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to season two, everybody. See you later. See ya. Oh, goodbye. This could be the last episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it not. could be. It's not. It's not. All right. Bye. Thanks.